very nice to see you all this morning. Last week we began a series on the Sermon uh, on the Mount. We started by taking a look at the Beatitudes. And we're going to carry on with that uh, this morning. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to me with, uh, to Matthew chapter 5. I read a story a while ago. It was about a break-in. It was about a shop break-in. And it happened, in the, it happened in the dead of night, and the police were called. The police attended the scene. When they got to the shop, they were there. The owner was there. The police were there. They kind of walked around the shop and, and, and took a look, and they couldn't see anything missing. They couldn't see anything was missing. They couldn't see anything. Nothing seemed to be vandalized. Nothing seemed to have been stolen. They couldn't kind of work it out. The alarm had been going off, and so they'd all attended, but um, kind of concluded that actually nothing really had happened, and uh, the, the alarm must have gone off uh, accidentally, and so the owner locked up the shop. Everyone went home, went to bed. In the morning, people came into the shop to, to, to buy things, and they discovered what had happened. One guy uh, went to buy a, a flat screen uh, TV, and he, he couldn't believe it. When he looked at the price tag, he couldn't believe it because the price tag on it was £1.50. <laughs> he was like, oh, that's a result. I'll buy 10 of those. Uh, someone else was after a cable for their computer, and they decided against it when they looked at the price tag, and it said 600 quid. Batteries were priced at £1,500. Laptops were going for a fiver. Uh, and what had happened is what the thieves had done during the break-in was they'd simply switched the price tags on everything. They'd switched the price tags on everything. And um, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, that's pretty much what Jesus is doing in the sermon. Jesus goes around, and through this sermon, it's like he's swapping the price tags on everything. And so things that we consider to be really valuable... Jesus says, you know what, actually, those things are actually pretty worthless. And many of the things that we might consider to be not very valuable or worthless, Jesus says, actually, do you know what, those things, those things have God's blessing on them. And it's this idea that has led uh, some people to call the Sermon on the Mount the Great Reversal. The Great Reversal is Jesus turns that contemporary values on their head. So why don't we just turn and have a look. Matthew chapter 5, we'll start in verse 3. It says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, just, uh, just as an aside, verse 11 and 12, I kind of consider that. We see that as part of a continuation extension of, um, of verse 10. Anyway, someone once described the Beatitudes as the characteristics of the kingdom of God. But what happens if we compare these characteristics, these qualities of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, with qualities that we would be maybe more familiar with in our world? Uh, J.B. Phillips, 
he is one of the chaps who translated a version of the Bible. He, he rendered the Beatitudes a few years ago like this, the Beatitudes of the world in which we find ourselves. He, he translated it like this. He said, happy are the pushers, for they get on in the world. Happy are the hard-boiled, for they never let life hurt them. Happy are those who complain, because they always get their own way. Happy are the blasé, for they never have to worry about anything or anyone. Happy are the slave drivers, for they're the ones who get results. Happy are the knowledgeable, for they're the ones who know their way around. And happy are the troublemakers, for they get everyone to take notice of them. And as we hear that, as we hear that version from J.B. Phillips, there's, there's a resonance, I think, with, um, there's a familiarity with some of the wisdom that many of us would have grown up with. But what Jesus does is he takes that kind of value, he takes those sort of values and he turns them on their head and he encourages us, he calls us to live lives that are countercultural, he calls us uh, to swim against the tide um, of the world in which we find ourselves. And just as we begin over the next few weeks to look at some of these uh, Beatitudes in a bit more um, detail, um, I'd like us to just think about some guiding principles, just a couple of things about these Beatitudes and all of these Beatitudes. And the first is that um, the qualities that are described here in Matthew chapter 5, they are not natural qualities, just in case you weren't aware. They're not things that come naturally uh, to us all. Jesus, when he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, when he's, he's talking about the Beatitudes, Jesus didn't come looking for, you know, kind of the guys who were already there, the ready-made Sermon on the Mount people. Jesus wasn't looking for those people because they don't exist. Jesus came to produce Sermon on the Mount people. Jesus came to produce people who would look like what this sermon says and what Jesus is saying through this sermon, through the Sermon on the Mount, is that when the gospel gets hold of you, when the kingdom of God lays hold of your lives, this, this is what you're going to look like. This is what you're going to start to look like. This is what life is going to begin to look like for you. And so the Beatitudes, they're not qualities that everyone has. The, the Beatitudes are qualities that we develop, um, that grow in us as a result of being impacted and permeated by the kingdom of God through the wonderful person of Jesus. Uh, so these things aren't natural qualities. They grow in us as we have a relationship with Jesus. And the second thing is, um, these things are qualities, these are characteristics that are supposed to be found in all Christians. As followers of Jesus, we're all supposed to be growing in these characteristics and these qualities. All eight of these Beatitudes are describing who we as Christians are called to be. They're all describing one person. In other words, all of these characteristics are supposed to be evident in the lives of those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. And what Jesus isn't saying, he's not saying, you know, well, some of my followers, do you know what, there's a the group over here, and they're called to be meek. They're the meek ones. And uh, others, others over here, they're, they're peacemakers, they're called to be peacemakers. And then there's, don't tell them, but there's the, the guys out there, they've got the short straw. They're, they're all going to get persecuted, right? But don't tell them yet. 
what Jesus is saying is, you know, if we're followers of Jesus, we're called to pursue, to eagerly desire um, each and every one of these qualities, these characteristics. And so if we're calling ourselves followers of Jesus, much as we might like to, we can't just say, you know, peacemaking, yeah, that's not really my, that's not really my thing. I like a bit of a ruckus from time to time. Not really into that peacemaking, malarkey. I'll leave that to peacemaking Christians or, you know, um, don't worry, I'm really good at mercy. I just don't really do righteousness. It's not an option for us. It's not op- these are not options for us as followers of Jesus. The Beatitudes are more like the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that we see in um, Galatians um, chapter 5. And just as every Christian, every follower of Jesus, we're to see the, the fruit of the Spirit ripening in our lives. So, too, we are to see um, these characteristics, the qualities that we see here in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes growing in our lives. So these Beatitudes apply to all of us. Okay, so that's the backdrop. Let's just have a quick look at Matthew chapter uh, 5, verse 3. We're just going to look at one this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Straight away, we get into this first beatitude, and immediately we see Jesus switching the price tags, switching the value of things from what we might think is really valuable, and he's saying, no, 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 this is what's really valuable. This is what's of ultimate value. And as we, talk, we, tacked, uh, we talked on uh, last week, we, we started looking at the beatitudes. This is the beginning of this journey. Do you remember we talked about the journey of the beatitudes? We're setting off on this adventure. And Jesus is saying, look, look at what the world values and look at what I'm saying is valued in the kingdom of heaven. The world values and the world says, yeah, blessed, blessed are those who are full of themselves. And what Jesus is saying here is blessed, in actual fact, the real blessing is for those who've emptied themselves. We kind of scratch our heads and go, whoa, that's not what I was, that's not what I was taught. Jesus says, well, the world will say, blessed are those who find all the answers themselves. Find the answers in themselves. We go, yeah, yeah, that's how I was trained. That's how I was raised. Absolutely. But Jesus says, no, no, no. It's not like that. Jesus says, blessed are those who've come to the end of themselves and are desperately looking for God. The message version of this, of this translates this verse as you're blessed when you come and when you're at the end of your rope. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Blessed are you when you come to the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Who'd ever have thought that coming to that place where you're at the end of yourself, there is no rope left. You're hanging on by, you know, your fingernails, just about. Who would have thought that that is the place Jesus says, wow, you're in an amazing place. You're just about to be blessed. Get ready for blessing. It's like, what? This feels really uncomfortable. My fingernails are really hurting. What's Jesus saying? So we look at this. We have to kind of look at this quite closely, um, because Luke phrases his beatitude slightly differently in, um, in in his version. Luke chapter six, verse twenty, 
he says something slightly different. He says, um, he says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 20. says, looking at his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Luke speaks about the poor. Matthew speaks about the poor in spirit. So is Matthew just spiritualizing the whole situation when he adds this bit, when he says poor in spirit? Is Luke trying to make a political, a more economic point about poverty when he's saying, blessed you know, are the, uh, you who are poor? Uh, making that out of something uh, spiritual. Maybe it's both, I don't know. Um, but what I do know is that the Bible never makes light of material poverty. The, the Bible never takes material poverty lightly. The, the, the poor are not generally happy with their poverty and in the situation that they're in, and neither is God. God doesn't bless destitution and say, it's okay, it's fine. What's the big deal? It's okay. He doesn't say that. He never says that it's okay. So um, when we read uh, the, the past, this passage in Matthew, when we read it in Luke, and when we look at it, both of them, through an Old Testament perspective, through the lenses of the Old Testament. Um, we see, what we see in the Old Testament, we see the, the poor um, in Judaism. These were, um, you see them right throughout the Old Testament. People who are in desperate, desperate need. But uh, people are time and time and time again who acknowledge their utter dependence and reliance upon God. And so the poor in Judaism, the poor in the Old Testament, you see as, um, as the humble. Um, the humble of the land, the, the lowly, the powerless, the oppressed. And in the Old Testament, you see uh, the wealthy. The wealthy are often portrayed um, as proud and um, the, uh, uh, rich, violent, oppressors is often how um, it will be described, self-centered. And uh, the wealthy in Luke, they get given a hard time in Luke, uh, not because they've got money. Because that's not the issue. It's not about the, the money. It's because they choose to live lives that are independent of God. They don't need God. And that's what Luke's driving at. And so when Matthew describes this, and he describes it as blessed are the poor in spirit, that's, that's what Jesus is driving at. He's driving at this um, humility, the, this sense of coming to the end of oneself not relying on the fortune that we've amassed or the, the, the wealth that we have, whether that's material, whether that's academic, whether that's intellectual, whether that's career, whether that's a serious set of giftings and skills or whatever it is that ensures that we have our lives all sewn up and boxed up. Jesus is getting at coming to the end of oneself. Jesus is, come, is, is getting at um, the emptying of oneself coming to the end of your rope. Um, because that's the place where there's less likely to be any of our wisdom or any of our resolve or any of our ability um, left. We come to the end of ourselves, it's like, all these things that I thought I had, actually, <laughs> they're actually pretty useless. None of, them, none of them apply. The situation I'm facing, none of these things apply anymore. What do I do now? Where else is there to go but God? According to the great um, the, the scholars, there are, there are two words um, for poverty in Greek. And uh, one of them uses, 
One of them is used to describe uh, the poor, but poor, the poor who are able to work. People who are able to work, um, and they're able to work, but even though they're able to work, they still can only afford the barest essentials in life. Okay? They're able to work, but they can still only afford the basic essentials in life. There, there's, there's no extra money. There's no, there's no margin. There's nothing left over for um, luxuries or anything else beyond necessities. And then the other word for the poor in the, in the Greek describes people who are forced to beg. Um, it describes people who are absolutely destitute. They have nothing at all. And this is the word that Matthew describes and uses, he chooses to use. He's saying, blessed are those who are literally destitute, who are forced to beg. And what Jesus is saying is, blessed are the, the utterly destitute in spirit. Blessed are those who come to God with absolutely nothing at all. Blessed are the spiritual beggars. Those who come to God with um, empty hands, empty pockets. We've got nothing to bring to the table. Nothing to bring to the party. Nothing, nothing whatsoever, apart from our desperation. Blessed are those who acknowledge their complete spiritual bankruptcy, for theirs is the kingdom of God. See why this is also radically countercultural? You see, because many of us value self-sufficiency. As I said, we're, we're, we're trained in it. So many of us live by the world's standards of blessed are those who can get it together, get their act together, who can do life without any outside help. Blessed are those who always have a strategy to figure out you know, the next step, no matter what life throws at them. We're taught to be self-sufficient. We're trained to trust ourselves. We, we tend to be full of ourselves. We, we tend to know the solutions to all of life's problems. At least we think we do. But it's only when we come face to face with Jesus, it's only when the kingdom of God breaks into our lives that we begin to actually see how utterly destitute, spiritually bankrupt we really are. And it's that sense of spiritual bankruptcy. It's that coming to the end of ourselves. It's finding out that there's no more rope. That's the beginning of the real Christian journey for us all. That's the beginning of our faith. That's the beginning of the start of this adventure where we come to faith because that's where the kingdom of God is. And it's often, as many of you will know, it's often the blessing of crisis that gets us to that point. It's sadly when the wheels come off our lives. It's when we suddenly realize um, that we don't actually have all of our ducks in a row. Uh, we're suddenly um, brought into this place of a real desperation whereby I, I, I don't know how to begin to fix this problem. And so we, we then cry out to God in our desperation and say, help, I, I, I don't know what else to do. It's when we get bad news from the doctor. It's when our finances completely fall apart. It's when we have a family crisis. It's when our kids suddenly fall ill or they're addicted or they're rebellious or whatever it is that they're going through. It's when we realize that the little boat that we're sitting in <laughs> is sinking. 
fast. And no matter how much we're bailing, it's still sinking. That's the place that we come to. It's when we begin to clearly see our utter dependence on God. And those times of crisis, actually there's blessing in them. Um, it doesn't feel like there's any blessing in them in the moment. But many of us who've been through those times will look back on them and go, I thank the Lord for that crisis, that spiritual meltdown. Those times when we've become so overwhelmed with our lives and we say to God, you know what, God, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I'm way out of my depth. This is too big. This is too big for me. I thought I could nail it. I thought I could do this. I thought I had it all sewn up, but... It's way beyond me. I'm way out of my depth, financially, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually. Whatever it is, it's too much for me. I've got nothing left. I am at the end of my rope, and God, I need your help. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And that's the only prayer we know how to pray. We, don't even have any, we can't even string in a sentence together. And this is the starting place of that adventure we talked about last week. This is where we all have to come to to begin our journey of growing in the, in the Beatitudes and the things that God has called us to do. We have to come to a place of absolute emptiness and destitution, desperation. And we fall at the foot of the cross. We throw ourselves on the mercy and the grace of Jesus. And we say, I have nothing. All my degrees, all my qualifications, all my professional experience, all my wisdom, all my, all my, all my, all my, it counts as absolutely nothing. I have nothing. And it's at that moment, it's at that moment, we saw it from the story of the prodigal son a few weeks ago. We come to that place of utter realization that we have absolutely nothing to bring. We're desperate, we're destitute. And we cry out to God and we say, oh God, oh God, help. And it's in that moment, while we're still a long way off, that our Father sees us. And he has compassion for us. And he runs towards us. And he throws his arms around us. And he kisses us. And as James Rogers said just a couple of weeks ago, and he kisses us, 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 until we melt. We melt in the Father's arms, the Father's embrace because it's in that moment of desperation it's in that moment of giving up and turning to God that the Lord says blessed are you you are blessed because you finally got it I've been trying to get you to this place for like years like you know and I was hoping that you'd find your way yourself there on yourself but actually it looks like these traumas and these crises in your life are the only way that you're actually going to get to realize the fact that actually you don't have anything. You don't have anything apart from me. And now you've got to this place of desperation. Now you've got to this place of destitution. Now you've got to this place of saying, oh, oh, I, I thought I had so much, I've got nothing. But Jesus says, now you've got it. Now we've got something we can work with. Now we've got something we can build with. Now you are massively blessed. This, you're in right in the position for blessing. Because it's this desperation, it's this longing, it's this yearning, it's this, I've got nothing left to give. That's the place of blessing. That's the place of blessing. That's where the kingdom of God is. You've made it. 
You made the first step on this journey. The most important step. Because unless we make this step, we have to, we have to keep going back and, until we've made it. God keeps bringing us back time and time again to a place where we realize, like, okay, I surrender. Why do we think we lift our hands in worship? I surrender. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. Blessed are you, there is more of God and his rule. That place of being at the end of your rope and nothing else to give, that's where the kingdom of God is to be found. It's where the Lord commands his blessing. Why don't you stand and we'll minister to one another.